It's time once again for our broadcast, Good News and Better News, where we spend 22 minutes advancing the theory that life really does not suck. And now, here is our host, author, screenwriter, and podcastman, Jonathan Richard Kring. During this Christmas season, I have had the distinct pleasure of working on a couple of writing endeavors. <laughs> this me talking all uptown and all endeavors. I don't have writing endeavors. Stephen King has writing endeavors. I have writing stuff. I've been working on my writing stuff, which is given me just the simple joy of putting together a storyline, you know, various storylines that collide in characters who interact. As a writer, it's important for a storyline and for that storyline to create good characters, intrigue, conflict, and that somehow or another by the end of this tale that you resolve everything. I suppose it's because I've had my mind set in the direction of crafting plots like this that I've developed a great intrigue about the Matthew slash Luke, Matthew slash Luke writing that is available to us about the birth of Jesus. I am fascinated. The, the story is simultaneously a great unfolding with, of course, amazing characters. But it's also a statement for all time, for all time, about the message that the writer and director wanted to get across. And, of course, I'm talking about God here, you know. Yes, that over there is God. He thinks he's Steven Spielberg. Lights. Angels. Action! In Hollywood, they, they often talk about a movie having an agenda. Well, I, I <laughs> certainly the Christmas story has a heavy agenda. And though most theologians would contend that that agenda is about the birth of Jesus and preparing him to die on the cross for the, to be the Christ, the director now, the writer-director God himself, is trying to convey what he likes and what he doesn't like. What he likes and what he doesn't like. It's called the messaging of a movie. The messaging. What is the message of the movie? We spent a lot of time, for instance, discussing how Mary and Joseph were shut out of the inn. No room at the inn for Mary and Joseph. But we don't spend much time at all discussing who is left out of the manger. Mary and Joseph were left out of the inn, granted, but there were a lot of people left out of the manger. The manger was a very exclusive club. And there are some very obvious subtractions from the guest list for the Bethlehem stable, ones you would think you would think would have been there, present, since it was an event with such spiritual and socio-political ramifications. But let me tell you right now, not to, to escape all suspense, what was absent from the manger? No preachers and no politicians. 
Did you get it? Not one scrawny preacher and not one hand-stuck-out politician. After all, if a baby's going to be born who will change the spiritual climate of the planet, and even time will be adjusted to his birth from that point on, you would think that some dignitaries, people of power, or at least folks in the know would have been included on the guest list. Are you on the list? Of course, I'm powerful. But actually, consider this. The point could be made that there is not a normal Jewish person in this entire entourage around the manger. If you read your Gospels, you see that Mary and Joseph were from Galilee, Nazareth, Galilee. And as you read the Gospels, you find out that the chief priests and the Pharisees, they later make the point to Jesus that nothing good ever comes out of Galilee. And Galileans are just ignoramuses. And no prophet could come from Galilee. The wise men were not Jewish. They were from the East. They were astrologers who probably mingled in a little Buddhism and Greek mythology with their thoughts. And the shepherds, being common men, were too busy trying to make their bread to be worried about the bread of life. And they may not even have been locals, since being a shepherd was not exactly a high position, one we might relegate to immigrants. So the truth of the matter is, the average shepherd possibly didn't know Moses from Elijah. So considering the fact that Jesus was supposed to be born the son of David, not many of his relatives were around. Oh, sorry we missed the birth. We'll be there for the crucifixion. <laughs> Ouch, sorry. Yes, two conspicuous absences from the manger there was no room in the manger for either religion or politics. Herod, King Herod, by the way, he called himself the king of the Jews. He insisted he wanted to see the baby when the wise men came to visit him. And his religious vanguard, his, his pastoral staff, known as the Herodians, provided all the information to him about the scriptures and what they said about the birth and the prophecies. But see, the astrologers, these three wise men we talk about, these wise people, they snubbed King Herod and never told him where the baby was. It's not because the wise men were jerks. God told them in a dream to leave religion and politics out of the picture. It's a very simple principle. Whenever religion and politics get together, they kill Jesus. It happened at his birth, and it certainly happened on Passover when he was arrested and crucified, and it happens today when we try to sell some political campaign by putting a stamp of Christianity on it. God help us. There was no place and no invitation for anyone involved in religion and politics at the manger. Although the baby was left out of the end, religion and politics 
were left out of the stable. Kind of ironic that create a stable environment, you got to get rid of religion and politics. It's very important for us during this Christmas season to study this carefully, especially since our society is obsessed. We're involved in this verbal warfare about religion and politics, which I want to tell you, it's just destroying the fiber of goodwill and common will and even our affection for one another as Americans. What is it about religion and politics that pisses God off? Because religion brings arrogance and politics embraces lying. I'm going to say it again. Religion brings arrogance and politics embraces lying. When arrogance and lying get together, tyranny reigns. When tyranny reigns, there can be no justice and our God is a just God. If he's not, to hell with him. And if he's not, by the way, we're all screwed. Religion teaches people to be arrogant. Because I've done the following things, practiced the sacraments, been baptized, got filled with the Holy Ghost, read my Bible, prayed, gone to church, therefore I have a certain license to judge the rest of the world and criticize sinfulness in other people, and most of all, to defend God from the godless. Politics says, since God by himself isn't getting the job done, why don't you trust us to come up with new ideas to take care of you? We will do this with deep respect for religion, don't get us wrong, only asking you for taxes and money, and when we fail, we will come up with lies which we will pass on to you as legitimate reasons. God hates this crap. He is the director that steps in and says, Cut! Bring in new script. Bring in a new set of actors. He despises what he sees. He despises religion and politics. There isn't one ounce of truth in any of it. If we could actually become perfect by practicing religious ideas, then the kingdom of God could be achieved just simply through sincerity, without using our heart, without using our repentance. As long as we were sincere in our religious practices, we would be guaranteed a heavenly home, and we could pretty well do whatever the hell we please. If we could be successful by pursuing politics, then eventually the kingdom of God, and even God himself, might become unnecessary. Thank you, God, for filling in for a while until we could come up with the right set of laws. There's no place for religion and politics in the manger. It was kicked out 2,000 years ago, and it's, it's remained kicked out except for those religionists who have tried to merge their message with the politicians, and except for the politicians who have hid behind sanctuaries to make themselves seem pure. If you want to have a Merry Christmas, and I'm sure you do,
and you would like to be someone who visits the manger instead of being thrust out of it, get off your high horse of religion. Here's three things for certain. All you people who think you've got God in your religion. Number one, we don't know there's a God. Don't tell me you know because of your testimony. Don't tell, we don't know. Number two, but we do need a common creator to bind us together so we don't kill each other. And number three, we will believe in that creator while we live as long as that belief includes everyone. I'm sorry, you don't have a religion if your belief doesn't include everyone. I'll say it again. You don't have the right to be in a church. You don't have a right to be tax-free if your belief does not include everyone. There's also no room for politics. What we need is mercy, justice, good judgment. In other words, as we extend mercy to other people in the pursuit of giving justice to each and every one of us, make sure the just judgment we place on another person is something that we could live with ourselves. Merry Christmas indeed. Merry Christmas. But the following people will be excluded from the manger. All you religious people and all of you who have sunk your faith into politics. That leaves us with wise people, shepherds, and simple folk who still believe in love and that, and that God can speak to us to do great things. The good news is, even though baby Jesus wasn't led into the end, he found a home in the manger. And the better news is, thank God there is no room in the manger for religion and politics. That's it for today. Stay tuned next week when we will gather once again and find ways to put the pin back in the grenade. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media and at goodnewsandbetternews.com. <laughs>